Do you feel welcome? All right. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Bless your heart. On Labor Day Sunday, you decided to come to choice, to come to church. You made the intelligent choice to be in church on Sunday morning. Thank you so much. Well, this morning, as most of you know, we're going to be starting a four-week-long series that has to do with the vision statement of our church. Um, I'm going to be talking with you about um, what our vision statement says, what it is, what it means to us. We're going to take it apart and examine that in light of Scripture, or I should say to illustrate and demonstrate to us that our vision statement is indeed based on scriptural principles. So, I'd like for us to just read this together, if you would. This is our vision statement at New Life Church that we adopted several years ago. Read it out loud with me, would you? To be a hospital to the hurting and the lost. To provide education concerning God and His Word. To love God and love people. And to accomplish this through prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's do that one more time. To be a hospital to the hurting and the lost. To provide education concerning God and His Word. To love God and love people. And to accomplish this through prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit. Four things um, illuminated, I should say, with the red letters which spell out what word? Help. New Life Church exists to be a help in this community. We should be helping in, in some way. We should be making a difference in the community in which we live. And so today our topic is going to be, as we'll see the first line there, to be a hospital to the hurting and to the lost. That will be our subject that we'll get to in just a moment. However, just to make a couple preliminary comments and observations about vision, the scripture tells us in Proverbs 29 verse 18, where there is no vision, where there is no understanding, where there is no revelation, where people don't have a clue, where there is no vision, the people perish. The people don't do well, the people suffer, the people will dwindle, the people actually die as a result when there is no vision the people perish the prophet in Habakkuk 2 verse 2 recorded these words he said then the Lord answered me and said write the vision notice that write it down write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it I've used this as an illustration before. I'll just hold it up since it's handy here. It's the a copy of our plans from when we built this church. Actually, what it is is a vision. Because somebody was able to imagine and in their mind uh, envision what we were looking for, what we needed. And then you know what they did? They wrote it down. Like the prophet said, write it down and make it plain. Why? So that those who read it will know what to run, where to run, what to do, what has to be accomplished. Well, that's exactly what the Bible is talking about when it talks about vision. 
And this morning we're going to be talking about our vision statement and talking about the first of the elements so people will know what to do. How many think we need to know what we need to do? Somebody needs to tell us. Somebody needs to write it down. Somebody needs to make it plain what we need to do in order to be successful in fulfilling what we've got on this um, vision statement. So today, uh, you have the first element there, first of four, to be a hospital to the hurting and the lost. Maybe you've never thought of that before, how that the church is supposed to be a hospital for the hurting and the lost. Well, let's develop that theme here this morning together. A hospital is a place where sick or injured people are given care or treatment and where children are often born. Now, that's not my definition. That one came from Webster's, but I thought it fit in quite nicely this morning. If we're going to talk about what a hospital is, it's a place where sick or injured people are given care or treatment. Don't you think that this church ought to be a place that would do that for people, people who are sick, people who are injured, people who are hurting, people who have needs, people who are broken, a place where they can come and find help and assistance here. Of course, that's why we're here. You'll see there is a, oh, and another thing too, where children are often born. Don't we want to see a lot of new birth taking place around here? See, so it plays into this theme of being a hospital for the sick and injured and giving care. I remember several years ago, because I don't do well with how many years ago it's been. I didn't ask, but several years ago, my dad had a um, hip replacement. All right. And dad has been in a lot of hospitals before. But not as a patient. He was a, a pastor. He's visited probably thousands of hospital rooms as, as I have over the last 30 some years. And, and, but this time he wasn't visiting as a pastor. This time he was a patient and hadn't been in the hospital to amount to anything. So I remember when I went to the hospital to, to visit him the day after surgery, I think it was, he was sitting up in bed. And, Oh, he was just feeling good and chipper. And the nurse would come in and say, Mr. Brisson, what's your level of pain? He'd say, zero. They say, oh, come on, tell us, what is your level of pain? He said, zero. I'm, I'm not hurting. I have no pain. And they'd walk out of the room and dad said, <clears throat> he said, I'm telling you what, these nurses at this hospital are something else. I said, what do you mean? He said, they treat you like a king. He said, it's unbelievable how nice they are. Everybody who comes into this room, they're so nice. They just treat you like a king. And I said, Dad, do you know why they treat you like a king? It's because you treat them like a queen when they come into the room. And you're, you don't gripe and complain and fussing about this and that. And you're treating them with kindness and respect. And they, they reciprocate and they treat you like a king when you treat them like a queen. Well, that's a lot of the, the, the gist of what this is going to be about today. That's what God has called us to do, to be uh, a hospital for the hurting and the lost and the broken. If you'll notice those words at the bottom of the screen, hospitality. How many enjoy good hospitality? Yeah, we enjoy to be treated kindly and, and, 
and um, generously and people to be welcoming. And then there's hospice. Hospice is generally thought of as being a place where when things aren't going so well and there's a not, not a lot more that can be done, somebody is there to make you comfortable and to love you and to help you. Hospice. And then hospitable, which is something all of us need to be. Having that gift and, and reaching out and loving and being kind and so forth. And all of those words are from the same root word as the word hospital. That's what God has determined that we should be as the body of Christ or the church. Now, in case you haven't realized it, there's a lot of sickness and a lot of hurting people in this world today. Amen? Of course, when we talk about being sick, there's that... That universal sickness. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Sin. That's a sickness. It is a universal sickness. It has covered the whole world. It's pandemic. None of us have escaped its effect on our lives because the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. And all of us were born into sin. Not a person here was born into sainthood. All of us were born in sin. I'm often reminded of how we don't even, you you don't have to teach your children to sin. They're good at it already. They can run through the house at two years old and have chocolate all over their face and say, have you been in the candy dish? No, no. And they've got chocolate all over their face. And then they tell a story. No, I haven't been in the candy. I haven't eaten any candy. And where did they learn? Did you teach them that? At, at that age, they hadn't been around anybody but you. No, you didn't teach them that. They just, it's in, it's in there. That principle that causes us to, to tell fibs, if it'll help our situation out and be less than honest and all kinds of other things that, well, it, it, it just springs up and takes root in our hearts and causes us to do things. It's a universal sickness, and that's why we need a universal cure. We need a Savior, which He has provided. The universal sickness is sin. But all these other things, I guess we could say, are symptoms that come from sin. Physical sickness. Mental illness, being dead spiritually. The Bible says before we were saved, we were dead in trespasses and sins. We needed to be reborn, a new birth, new life, regeneration, the Bible calls it. We needed all that because of sin in our lives and being spiritually dead. And because of the curse of sin, there's all these illnesses. You know, there's so many things that we could stand here and name that are the result of sin. I'm talking about Adam and Eve's sin that was passed on to us. Do you, you know that death comes from that. Sickness comes from that. I believe ticks and chiggers and fire ants come from that. All things that, that, all things that harm, those things that, that just aren't in, I guess the reason I'm thinking about that, I got into some fire ants out here at work the other day and my wrist is so swollen I can't even put my watch on it and be comfortable. I didn't know fire ants were that, that potent. Boy, they're mean little boogers, aren't they? Well, I don't believe, if there were fire ants at creation, I don't believe they bit. Because God made everything beautiful. But sin has just caused a lot of effects on the face of the earth. And we have physical sickness as a result of the sin that Adam and Eve committed and mental illnesses. We, we, people are injured. I don't think there's ever been a time 
when people are as injured as people are now. They're broken hearted. There are broken relationships. Maybe it's marriages or whatever. There's disappointments in their lives. They're lonely. They're hurt. They're bitter. They're angry. There's so much unforgiveness. And all of this stems from what we see on the screen there. I Maybe it happened when I was a boy. I don't remember. I probably didn't care. Maybe I didn't listen. Maybe I didn't pay attention. But I wasn't aware that even among professing Christians, there was so much contempt and so much, I can even use the word hatred, among professing Christians. One of the most um, awakening experiences I had, even after I was called into ministry, which I fought for several years, and then I was, was working under a pastor receiving some tutelage during those early early years and I saw him administering communion one night into the in the church and he did it differently than I'd ever seen it and he personally took communion to everybody in the building one at a time and he got to a lady and tried to share communion with her and she wouldn't accept it from him and he was the pastor and she just turned her head and she didn't want anything to do with him I thought what in the world is wrong with this woman now she claimed to be a Christian. She just she would tell you how you know how wonderful it was to love the Lord. But I asked him about it afterwards. Said, "What in the world was that about?" And they had had some kind of little tiff at some time in the past, and and she had so much contempt for him, she would not even receive communion if it came from him. That lady had a problem. But you know what? I have learned that there are lots of Christians who have been separated, um, who have been um, alienated from people that they know. Maybe it's a brother or sister. Maybe it's a mother or father. They're siblings that haven't talked for years. Both of them claiming to be Christians. I've seen situations where one person would sit on this side of the church, one would sit on that side of the church, and they hadn't spoken in years. That's messed up. That's not the way God designed it to be because he, he calls us to love one another. Am I right? And forgive one another. And, and get rid of those grudges and the bitterness and the anger and the unforgiveness. So, yeah, we are a hospital for the hurting. And I guess maybe one of the first things we need to do is acknowledge that it's not all the hurting that's outside the church. Some of it's inside the church. But Jesus wants to be a healer. And he wants to help us provide the the framework and provide the nurture and the love and acceptance that people need. Fact of the matter is that people need the Lord. It's an old song we used to sing. People need the Lord. At the end of broken dreams, he's the open door. Another song was Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. People don't need psychotherapy these days. What they need is Jesus. What they need is a heart that's been washed and cleansed. They need the blood of Jesus to just absolutely cleanse every bit of hate and sin out of their lives. The world is filled with hurt and pain and sin. And that's where we live today, is it not? All around us, we, we at work, at school, sometimes even in the home, this is where we live. 
with the hurt and the pain and the sin that's all around us. We're drowning many cases in despair. As Ephesians 2 verse 12 says, we're having no hope and without God in this world. I want to share with you today that New Life Church, from the view of this pastor anyway, New Life Church has to be. We don't have an option. Put this on the screen, please. New Life Church. Next one. There we go. Thank you. New Life Church. It has to be. Has to be a welcoming place. It has to be a safe place. It has to be a healing place. A place where we can nurture and love and help one another. Would you agree with that? Say amen. Amen. Now, I was in, just this week, I was in a, well, I was in a restaurant. It's not a shame to be in a restaurant. Much times my wife's been spending out of town taking care of her mother. I've been to a couple of them, in fact. But I was in a restaurant one day this week, and I sat down and ordered my food. And I was in a booth, and in front of me was another booth, and then another booth, and they were empty. So as I was sitting there over the next few minutes, two females came in, were ushered in beside me, and they sat in the booth directly in front of me. Nobody in the booth but me, so this this seat's empty. And then the next one, I'm looking at the back of this woman's head, and then on the other side of that table, she's facing me, and she sits down. Well, over the next 30 minutes or so, the Holy Spirit really began to talk to me because I was already preparing these remarks and what I wanted to share. And this lady came and sat down, not eight feet away from me, facing me. And of course, I'm eating and every once in a while I glance up and there she is. (laughs) I go back to eating. And she had a great big ring in her bottom lip on this side and she had another great big ring on her bottom lip on this side so she got these two great big rings right here and then she had a ring in her nose and on top of that she had green hair i mean green hair bright green hair along with two rings in her bottom lip one in her nose Um, she got my attention, let's just say it that way. And as I'm sitting there, trying not to stare, but rings in her bottom lip, really? Yeah. I'm kind of looking down. And the Spirit of the Lord began to talk to me. Would this woman be welcome? Really welcome in New Life Church. And I'm thinking, yeah, Lord. Well, and then I wasn't sure I could answer with a yes. Absolutely. You see, because what I've learned over the years is we're good at being fakes sometimes. Are we not? And somebody may look at you that you, I, I didn't have contempt from this, for this woman. I, did, I don't want to dress like she does. And I don't want to marry anybody that dresses like she does. But, but I don't have contempt for her. 
But um, you know how it is. If we see somebody, we're going to be nice, right? So we're going to smile. Here's the way we do it. It's not a real smile. It's not a sincere smile, is it? But we see them and we go, because we want to be able to say we smiled at them. And the whole time we're thinking about how sorry they are and how you really don't fit in here. And you probably, well, would she be truly welcome at New Life? I'm not talking about just us having an obligatory smile or just saying lip service. Oh, it's so good to see you today. I sure would be glad when you leave. We wouldn't say the last part. Anybody relate to what I'm saying? It would make us uncomfortable, perhaps, that she would be here. And then the question, would she have a chance of being truly accepted. And by that, I mean, would she have a chance of being able to to come back over and over and over again and feel like she was welcome here? First of all, let me ask you this question. Should she be able to come to New Life Church and feel genuinely loved and accepted? I'm not going to ask you if she would. Because that's a totally different matter. Because if we were to say, yes, she'd be accepted here, but then when we get home, we'd start running our mouth about the way she looked. Then that would probably be an indication that our wasn't sincere. And our heart really wasn't in tune with her hurts. But that we just would just assume she'd go on down to the next church down the road. I've learned over the years that there are some powerful, effective soul winners out there that don't look anything like me. That had to be the Lord. With what I'm thinking, and I hear motorcycles going down the road. I have met some guys since I've been here in, in this church over the last 22 years. I have met some guys... From neighboring churches with big long beards who always wear jeans and boots with leather vest with whatever put on the back of them, sewn on their colors or whatever. They're motorcycle guys, they're in a gang. But this gang loves Jesus. And I'm going to tell you what. I have been in hospitals. And I've seen these guys that look. It probably scare some of us if we were to see them off by ourselves. Because we wouldn't trust them. Because we've automatically got in our minds. Oh, this is going to be bad. This is not good. I can't trust this guy. But if you look close, they got that Bible under their arm. And they'll go in and read a scripture and share And pray with you and lead you to the Lord in a skinny minute. Because they love Jesus with all their hearts. But they don't necessarily fit in with the way we think a Christian is supposed to look. We might be surprised 
if we could see how Jesus looked and Paul looked and John looked and the Apostle Peter looked, it might be very revealing to us. Let's talk about Jesus for just a minute. Jesus took a woman called in the very act of adultery and saved her life. Literally saved her life. Where they wanted to stone her, he showed her love and mercy and said, go and sin no more. Did he stand up for people who were different? In Samaria, now that happened, incidentally, that happened at church. I don't know if you ever realize that or not, but when, when they bought this woman that was caught in the act of adultery, and they said, Lord, we caught this woman in the act of adultery, the Bible says it was in the temple where that happened. And Jesus said, now, whichever one of you guys who are standing here is without sin, then you throw the first stone. And the Bible says they all turned around and walked away because they all knew there was something there. It's interesting, isn't it, that Jesus said, why do you try to take the tiny splinter out of somebody's eye when you've got a two before in your own eye? In Samaria, a different location, Jesus took a woman who had five husbands and was shacking up with number six. And Jesus offered her living water, this Samaritan woman. And she went and told everyone what Jesus had done for her and revival came to Samaria. And many, many miracles happened there. The Bible says Jesus went to the pool of Bethesda where many sick folk were gathered, hoping for healing. It was a pagan place, actually. It was located outside the city walls of Jerusalem, not in the temple. This man was laying there wait for the, waiting for the water to be troubled in this pagan temple. Asclepius, the Greek god of healing. And there was this temple built, this building where he was worshipped, called an Asclepion. And there these people were waiting for a miracle, waiting for something good to happen. And Jesus looked at this man in that pagan place and said, do you want to be made well? Many of us wouldn't even go to that place. But Jesus did. Do you want to be made well? He went to where people were hurting and met their needs. Here's a little something we learned in one of our recent videos that I want to share with you today. And this is a picture from space of the Sea of Galilee. Everybody's heard of the Sea of Galilee, right? In Scripture. I'd like to share something with you that was brought out. I've gone back and studied this and researched it. The man was right on it. I'd never known it before. In this area, right in here, is a place called Capernaum. 
Now, we've heard of Capernaum. We're familiar with that. Jesus stayed there quite a long while. Five of the twelve disciples lived there, came from there. Peter and John had their fishing business on the shore there at Capernaum. Jesus called them, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Matthew was from there as well. He performed many miracles there. It was a Jewish district and, and the people there believed in God. Not everybody was faithful like people sometimes aren't, but, but they knew about God. It was a Jewish region in that northwest corner of the Sea of Galilee. In all four Gospels, it is said that Jesus looked at the disciples and said, Let us go over to the other side. And so, leaving this area in Capernaum, they left and came across the Sea of... Now, incidentally, this, this lake here, Sea of Galilee, is only 13 miles long. So, we're not talking about a massive ocean. It's basically 6 by 13 is the area that we're looking at here. So, they left Capernaum here in their boat and they sailed to the other side... And when they got to the other side, there was a man that they met there who was demon-possessed. The Bible calls him Legion. And he was healed, he was touched, he was delivered. But what I'd like for to understand about this area over here, this was not a Jewish area, this was a Gentile area. And they didn't worship God there. They worshiped many gods there with many temples there. So Jesus left the Jewish area where he had proclaimed the gospel, went to the, the other side that can have duplicate meanings there. They went to the other side. They went to where people were different. They went to where people didn't think like his people thought. He went to where the gospel had not yet been preached. And he shocked everybody by preaching the gospel to these people on the other side. And they believed and they received and many miracles were done there. The Bible tells us. Now to me that's such a, a, a beautiful passage of scripture because it tells us in no uncertain terms that Jesus came to save the Jews. But Jesus also came to save the Gentiles. I'll go even farther than that. Jesus came to save Americans. But Jesus came to save Russians. And Jesus came to save Muslims. And Jesus came to save people from Africa. We used to sing the song when we were small. Red and yellow, black or white. All are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. And you know what? We've got people from all over the world. Now this is not an exaggeration. This is a fact. We've got people from all over the world living in Wake County right now. I mean half the time you go order something at the restaurant to eat. You can't even understand what they're saying to you. People, You'd be in the grocery store and hear people speaking all kinds of languages. From other parts of the world. And they live right here. I want us to know today. That we have. If there's ever been a mission field. We have a mission field right here. In our community where we live. People need Jesus. 
And the Bible says that Jesus came for all. Whosoever will, let him come. And it doesn't matter what nationality, it doesn't matter what the color of your skin, your education level, or where you've come from. Here's something I know. People are people and people have problems. People need healing. People need encouragement. People need Jesus. And if when people come in searching for Jesus, let's, let's handle that first of all. They need to find a place that is welcoming. Really welcoming. You know, not this. Have you ever had that happen to you? Anybody? You know what I'm saying? I mean, you, somebody smiled at you and you know good and well that was a, no smile. It needs to be sincere. And our love for people is not contingent upon how they dress like we do. Or how, that they look like we do. I was really, I was really hoping that, that um, Aaron was going to be with us today. Because I was going to ask him if he'd help me in a sermon illustration. Aaron is a, is a uh, he's a fine young man. And he's about as clean cut as you can be. Of course, he's in the Navy. And um, I was going to say, you don't have to say a word, Aaron, if you just stand there for a minute. Could I get you to do that? I believe he'd have done it. But when you look at Aaron, you just see this naval officer standing straight, nice haircut, boy, just as trimmed. And just, but you know, everybody's not like that. And when somebody like Aaron walks in, and somebody like you walks in, it's easy to accept people like that. Well, we just love, the, you're one of us, man. We just, we love on people like, they look like us, we can just tell they're one of us. Well, what about the guy who walks in, let's say, this not Aaron, but let's say somebody else walks in. And he's got, got hair down to his waist. Man, a man got hair down to his waist. And let's say he's got a few tattoos and some shiny stuff. Some bling, they call it, is it? So he's got bling, man. He's got the chains. He's got the diamonds. He's got the stuff. And he comes in. Now, if we're not careful, here's what we'll do. It's good to see you. Can you believe he would come in a church looking like that? What's wrong with that man? And you know, the thing about it is, we have to learn that not everybody looks like we look. And it doesn't matter how they look when they come in. If they're hurting, they need a hospital. They need a place that's loving and caring and somebody who will reach out to them and help them find what it is they're looking for. And, that's, and, and my point is, that's why we're here. That's why we exist. We don't exist to pat each other on the back, talk about how wonderful we are. We're here to talk about Jesus and how good he is and how he wants to change people's lives. And anybody who comes in, whether they, don't matter where they come from, what language they speak, what kind of clothes they got on or what kind of clothes they don't have on, we should love them. Really love them. And let them know they're welcome here. We're glad that you're here. And do it in such a way where, where when they come back next time, they feel welcome. And in the time after that, but you know what? 
a lot of times we, even preachers, we're bad about this. We figure we're going to let them have it while they're here. And, and a lot of times we run people away by telling them what they need to do. When what they really need is the love of Jesus. And the, and the love of a group of people who's willing to embrace them. Next slide, please. How many know what that is? I've had the opportunity over the years from Key West, Florida, up to Portland, Maine, over to California, and many different places in between to be driving down interstate highways. And I'd see one of those signs off to the highway. Now, obviously, they're posted there. So if you're coming down the road and you're having an emergency or you're sick, you don't have to be familiar with the area. They're just telling you there's a hospital down this way. If you need help, go that way. And there's hundreds of thousands of those signs all over the United States. Hospital. And then we go because we needed to know about them. Do you know what? When somebody rides by this building and they see that cross on the, on the front of this building or they see the sign that says Minister Center, New Life Minister Center, that's just as important as that hospital sign right there. Because they may be hurting, they may be struggling, they may be that far from suicide, they may be so low they feel like they can't go any farther. And they just need somebody to love on them. They need somebody not to give them that. But maybe to just embrace them. To really show some love, concern, take some time to greet them. One of the worst things we could ever do is people walk by us in church. Maybe brand new people, we don't even speak to them. God forgive us for being so uncaring. And so wrapped up in ourselves that we would allow that to happen. You see, we are a hospital for the hurting. People need to know that when they visit church, especially this church, because this is the one we're concerned about, they need to know that they're welcome. They need to know that we're, we want to help them. We want to be hospitable. We want to lead them to the healer. We want to help them find Jesus and do anything we can. And, as we mentioned earlier, our responsibilities aren't limited to those on the other side who are unlike us. But we've also got to learn to exercise the same hospitality and hospice and care and love toward those who are already part of our fellowship. In other words, we've got to learn to take care of one another. We've got to learn to love one another and show it and be concerned about each other. Someone has written, I don't know who it was, but somebody has observed that Christians are the only army that shoots their wounded. That's terrible. That's terrible. 
Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. If you have love one for another. And as long as we're here, as our musicians are coming, as long as we're here on this earth, we are going to have troubles and pain and problems. Amen? That's a fact. In the world you shall have trouble, Jesus said. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So the fact of the matter is we need each other. Listen, there may be times when Pastor Ron gets so low, you don't know what just a little little extra hello, Pastor, how you doing today? But it's not just Pastor Ron, it's anybody. Amen? We need to be so aware of each other and so compassionate towards one another because it is a fact, as long as we're here on this earth, we're going to have troubles and pain and problems. And the church is a place we should be able to come and find some help and some relief and some encouragement, maybe some hospice. You know, we face situations sometimes, life can get hard. And we face situations we can't do anything about. But my goodness, with a loving church family. I don't know how many times I've heard this over the years. If it hadn't been for my church family, when I was going through this, I don't know what I would have done. It's important. It really is. Well, Habakkuk said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. See, this has got to be a priority. I could have preached this in any church because any church, this could be said, what we've talked about today has to be a priority. I think churches that understand that this is a priority are well on their way to becoming what God has called them to be. When you understand that people need the Lord and we're supposed to be a healing place trying to bring people to the Lord. The really good news is, is that there's coming a day when there won't be any more pain and hurt. Amen? Isn't that encouraging? I'm going to ask you to stand and sing this with me and worship. Oh, how we need to love and care for one another.
hard sometimes and we have our problems and our difficulties and our pain and our suffering and our weak moments and challenges on and on and on it goes but I'm going to tell you what if you'll be faithful 
There's coming a time. All of that will be over. And we'll be with the Lord. With no worries, no pain, no tears, no crying, no suffering. But until then, we've got to be a hospital for the hurting and the lost. We've got to care for one another. And love one another. And be there for each other. Amen. If you have a special need that you'd like to share before we pray, we'll start over on this side of the building and work our way across this way. Anybody? Prayer request? Hands being lifted. Without saying a word... You don't have to say a word. Just by the lifting of your hands. If you're here today and you have some physical problems that you would like for the Lord to give you the grace and the strength to deal with, would you just lift your hands? If you need healing for your body, if you would lift your hands. If you have another need, it may be provision. The Bible says he's Jehovah Jireh, our provider. It may be that uh, you're having struggles in a relationship. It may be you're having problems at work. If there's anything in your life that you need God's help with, would you just lift your hand? I got both my hands. I think all of us would. Would you just leave your hand lifted if you can? Let's go before the Lord in prayer as we give that to Him. Father, we come to you today recognizing that you're a heavenly Father who loves and cares for your people. Lord, we in this church, we care for each other. Lord, it breaks my heart sometimes to see the pain on the faces of the people that I love. Not be aware to to fix it. Not be aware, uh, uh, able to take care of it. But you're a God who can. And that's why in times like these, we bring our requests and our petitions to you. And we say, oh, please, Lord, Heavenly Father, today we cast our care on you. Oh, Lord, we accept that invitation to come boldly to the throne of grace. We pray that you would help us today and meet our needs. Oh, Lord, I'm asking that you would touch these individuals in this room today who have heard the word of the Lord and help them to realize and help me to realize on a continual basis, Lord, that we must love one another. We must care about one another. We must be aware of the people who come into our fellowship and the needs that they may have and show genuine love and concern and a desire to be a help and and to to pray for and to undergird those who come and have special needs. Lord, we all have needs today. We are a needy people. Without you, Lord, we just could not make it. So we're asking for your help, your guidance, your direction, your provision, your healing, salvation for those who were lost. Lord, you just have it all. With you, there is no shortage and no lack. 
So minister to the needs. Lord, I ask that you touch the Bell family who's grieving. Lord, the loss of uh, Kelly's father. Lord, just be with them. Continue to provide strength, peace that passes understanding. Minister to this family. Lord, for those who are suffering physically, Lord, we look to you as our helper and our healer. We trust in you, knowing that you're a God who cares. Meet the needs of your people. Hallelujah. We love you today. Lord, if there's anybody here today that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that even right now, this very minute, while we're praying, Lord, that they would just open their heart to you and say, Jesus, I want to be saved. I'm sorry for my sin. Oh, hear my prayer. Wash me clean. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life, for I do want to serve you. I want to live for you. Lord, according to your word, anybody who makes a simple prayer just like that, that's prayed sincerely from the heart, you will hear their prayer and answer it today. So we thank you for that. What a day that will be with my Jesus I shall see. Share some fellowship, some hugs.